Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. You know, sometimes when people encounter the grace of God, they encounter and discover the new covenant, sometimes people have a tendency to neglect all of the scriptures. Sometimes people tend to focus on the new covenant the passages in the New Testament, especially the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I certainly can appreciate that. I can understand that, especially because many people discover the grace of God after spending some time in a fellowship or in a church or under the instruction of a pastor or priest who is determined to beat you to death with the Old Covenant, to condemn you, to make you feel so ashamed of yourself that perhaps In that way, they might be able to get you to stop sinning. There are many motives that direct people or encourage people to do this to others, but the point is is that there are many people who come out of something like that. They enter into the new covenant. They discover that the living God no longer holds their sins against them anymore, that he has reconciled us to himself because of what he did, and that we are no longer under the ministry of condemnation. And when this happens... People have a tendency to then neglect the Old Covenant. They neglect the scriptures that were given to us by our God so that we may know who he is. And it turns out that there are many things that we can discover about our God, about who he is, and about how he sees the world that we are a part of in the Old Testament scriptures. And I want to encourage you to spend some time looking at the Old Testament, especially if you have not spend any time recently to explore and read the things that the Lord revealed to us. You know, there were a lot of things that he could have revealed to us. There were many things that could have been written, but it is my sincere belief that what we have available in our Bibles today are the things that he wanted us to have. And so considering that, please take the time, please take time out of your life, out of the things that you do, Decide that there will be some things that you will not do and replace those things with time that you spend reading through the scriptures. I really want to encourage you in this regard. When it comes to my own work, I have discovered something similar to this. I have discovered that there are a few people who actually spend time listening to the audio programs that I have developed on the life of Christ, on the ministry of the Messiah. When it comes to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are many people who do not take the time to listen to the teachings that I have provided on those areas in the Scriptures. There are many programs that I have produced concerning our life in Christ. Now that we are saved, we have a life in Christ Jesus, and those are extremely popular. And I really do appreciate the fact that people are listening to those, but I have discovered that people tend to neglect the other programs that I have developed on the life of Christ and his ministry. 
and I would really like to encourage you to listen to those. I understand that you may not find as many insights as you would like concerning the relationship that we now have with our God. You may not find that much when it comes to how do we now live in light of what Jesus has done for us. I understand that. But, you know, of all the things that the writers could have documented, you know, the people, the men who were with the Lord Jesus, who walked with him, who talked with him, who saw him conduct his ministry, of all the things that they could have written, and there were so many things that the world could not contain the books that would be written if all the things that Jesus did were to be documented. And out of all those things, the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, They picked some things that they felt were the most important. And so take the time to read those things and study those things and listen to the programs that I have produced that I consider to be supplemental material to what we have available to us in the New Testament, where I do explain many of those passages in their historical and cultural context. In Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, it says, Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, referring to the righteousness that was given to Abraham, that was documented, that was revealed. This righteousness was credited to him based on his belief, because he trusted and he believed his God. That was written, that was documented, so that we can now look at it today and say that yes, this was true, and it is still true. It is true for us that we also will be righteous before our God, not because of what we do or because of what we don't do, but because of what He has done and because we believe Him. He has declared what He will do, and we believe Him, just as He told Abraham what He would do, and Abraham believed Him. You know, the fall of humanity occurred because Adam and Eve did not believe God. The reconciliation between you and your God will be based on your believing your God. Again, in verse 23, it says, Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. He was raised for that purpose. He was raised for the purpose of providing us with the justification that we truly needed. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it then says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then later on in chapter 5 and verse 10, he says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Before I really get into chapter 5, what I would like to spend some time with is the subject presented in verse 1 and also in verse 10, that we were enemies, that we were at war, that there is a war taking place, and having peace with God is a big deal. You know, in the past, I have shown Romans chapter 5 to people who were in war. And I mean real war. I mean where people were fighting and they were dying that kind of war. And every time I show this chapter and some of these verses in this chapter to people who have encountered real warfare, they normally read this and see this in a different way compared to other people who have never experienced those kinds of conflicts. What comes up in the minds of individuals quite often 
is this issue of war and peace. And many have responded to me, they have replied to me and said, well, I'm not at war with God. I've never been at war with God. I know what war is. I know what battle is. I know what fighting is about. And I've never done this. I have no conflict with God. I've never been at war with him. How can he see me as his enemy? I've never declared myself to be his enemy. These are the kinds of things that people have said to me in response to me showing them verses like this. But you know what? They are at war with God. They have been at war. They are his enemy. They have been his enemy. We have all been at war with God. We have all been the enemy of God in our lives. And the fact that people would dare say these things, suggest these things, tells me something about them. It tells me that they do not know about this war. Have you ever thought about that? Have you personally ever considered the fact that you were truly an enemy of God? And of course, if you're not a believer, if you're not saved, if you have not been resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, then you are the enemy of God. You are at war with Him, and your entire life experience is based on waging war against the true and living God of this universe. Why is it that people are not aware of this? Well, I personally believe that people are not aware of this because they're not aware, because they don't know, because nobody's told them. No one has informed them. They probably don't think of themselves that way. That's why, and I understand that. I can appreciate that. And I realize that many people will be offended by me saying such things, saying things like, you are the enemy of God, and you are at war with God, and you are fighting against God. People don't want to hear stuff like that. They normally would prefer to live in a form of denial, and I I can appreciate that. But for those of you who are believers, I believe you can appreciate this when I say this, because you know the difference between being lost and being saved, or at least most of you do. You know what it is to be in the world and to not know Jesus. You know what it is to devote your life to the indulgence of your flesh. And you also know what it is to be saved. And you know what it is to live your life devoted to knowing the Lord. Devoted to living your life as a reflection of what he has revealed to you. As a reflection of what he has given to you that you live your life in a very different way. And you know that because of what he has done for us, he has set us free from one life so that he could open the door for us to walk through and enter into a new life. And when you experience this new life, and when you experience God for who he is, then you can actually look back and you can see that you were once an enemy of God. Whereas when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, You couldn't see this. There was no way for you to see this. And so this is another reason why people will react to a statement like this to say that they are his enemy. They will say, well, I'm not his enemy. Well, of course you don't understand that because you don't know what it is to be his friend. You don't know what that is. And so because of that, you cannot fully appreciate what it means to be the enemy of God. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about this because I want you to get in touch with this fact. I want you to get in touch with this reality. And that is that there is a war going on. There really is. 
And you may not be aware of it, and that's fine. I understand that. You may not think that you're a part of it, and I understand that. I don't want you to be focused on this throughout your entire life experience every minute of the day. I'm not encouraging you to be preoccupied with this. I just want you to know that sometimes we have a tendency to forget this, or in some cases we're just simply not aware of it at all. And I don't think that that's what the Lord wants. I think that he does want us to be aware, to a certain extent at least, that there is a war going on. You know, this war started long ago. It's my belief that this war started when God created mankind. It's my belief that that's when it happened. And I actually did a series titled Spiritual Warfare. I produced a series where I talked about this in detail, and so I'm not going to try to duplicate that material here. I would just like to reference it and say that I did spend some time talking about this subject, explaining that there is a war. I explained when I believe the war started and why it started. I believe that the war started because God created Adam and Eve. He created them in such a way that he would be able to reveal himself within and through them, that he created them to be a reflection of who he is. That's what he meant when he said that he created mankind in his image. He created man to be a reflection of who he is so that the invisible God could be manifested in a physical, visible way so that people could truly see a part of who he is. And I believe that that created a temptation for the devil, who was at that time Lucifer. He was somebody else in a certain context. It created a temptation for him and an opportunity for him to reveal himself within and through mankind. And I believe that that is where the war began. I believe that the war began when the devil deceived Adam and Eve and used them as a means of revealing himself. He used them so that he could present a reflection of who he is instead of they being used to present a reflection of who the living God truly is. And so I believe the fall of humanity occurred in that context, and then that was the beginning of the war. Now, this war has been going on ever since, and one day this war will end. Exactly when this war is going to end, I'm not sure. It could very well end in a certain way. It will end when the Lord returns and he establishes the Messianic kingdom. The Messianic kingdom will then exist for a thousand years, And then there will be another battle at the end of that. And so you could say that the real war will end after the thousand-year reign. I'm not really interested in the specifics concerning that. I can see that there is a general representation of the beginning of the war and the end of the war. I know it started. I know it will end. And I know that right now I'm in the middle of it. But I want you to know that it's not going to end until the Lord ends it. And one day he will end it. Now, he did end it in another context. He ended it in the context of salvation and the gospel, where he died for the sins of humanity, he rose from the dead, offered people the Holy Spirit, and when we are resurrected, in a sense, the war has ended for us. When we are made a child of God, we are no longer at war with our God. And so, in a small way, we do have an end to the war between us and our God on an individual basis. But I believe on a collective basis, this is still something that will happen in the future. But in the meantime, I want you to consider that, that there are people who are around you who do not know the Lord and do not want to know the Lord. 
And those people are the enemy of God. They are his enemy. And they will be his enemy until they surrender to him. It is only when we surrender to our God that we are no longer his enemy. Now, what is the nature of the war? I mean, what is the battle? And what are the weapons of this warfare? Well, to summarize what I presented in the series I did on spiritual warfare, I want you to know that the battle is over you. You are the plunder. You are the property. You are the prize. The living God created you for himself, and the devil has been using you for himself. When we are saved, we are translated from the kingdom of the devil, from the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. It is then that you are no longer a possession of the devil, and you become a possession of the living God. For you, there was a beginning, and your beginning was being born into this world, spiritually dead, not having any hope, having no relationship with your God, and this ending that I pray that everyone will discover, but unfortunately not everyone will, but I pray that people will, this ending is something that a person experiences when they submit to the gospel, when they submit to the good news of God. Now, the weapons of this warfare were revealed by the devil in the Garden of Eden. The weapons are the knowledge of good and evil. That is the weapon. He used that weapon in order to kill Adam and Eve, steal them from the living God. And because he has been using us in a way and for a purpose that God never intended, he ends up destroying us or we destroy ourselves. Either way, we are going to be destroyed because we are not functioning in the way that our God created us. So it is the knowledge of good and evil. It is the law that is the weapon of the devil. And when our Lord took away that weapon on the cross, he made a public spectacle of the devil, a warrior who no longer has a weapon. And when you are saved, you change sides. That's what happens. From the perspective of the devil and the war that is waging, that is taking place all around you, that you are a part of, when you embrace the gospel, you change sides. And you are no longer an enemy of God. Before that you are, but when you acknowledge your need for his mercy, for the Lord's mercy, and you surrender to him. This is an important word. It was a very important word for me to recognize because when I first got saved, it was more on the basis of approving of the new covenant. You know, I saw the new covenant and I thought, yeah, okay, I'll take that. I approve of that. I will embrace that. And then later it became a commitment. I thought, you know, I'll commit to this. This is a good covenant. I'll commit to this. I understand that the Lord has established this, and I will engage in this covenant. I will commit to what the Lord has revealed, to what the Lord has done. And then later I discovered that it had nothing to do with whether I committed to it or not, or whether I approved of it or not. It had nothing to do with any of those things. As I matured, I discovered that it was something that I had to surrender to, that there was no negotiation here. There's no options here. There's... There's no interest in whether I approve or disapprove. I either surrender or I don't. And so I want to encourage you in this regard that you must surrender to your God. And surrender means something different than just committing, 
than just approving. Surrender means that regardless of what happens to you next, regardless of what your life is going to look like next, regardless of what he decides, whether you approve or disapprove or whether you commit or not commit, it's too late. It's over. You have surrendered. You are one of God's people. And there is nothing that you can ever do about it now. You have surrendered. You are his. And he is never going to let you go ever. Get in touch with that. That that is your situation. If you have been born again, you cannot change sides again. He's not going to let you change sides. I know that there are many people who have given the impression that they have changed sides. And, you know, to me, I personally believe that they never really came to Christ to begin with. That's my opinion. That what they thought they believed before really wasn't true at all. And this should not be too much of a surprise to you, as it is not a surprise to me, because I know a lot of people who claim to be Christians, and yet they don't seem to know the Lord any more than they know the person who lives next to them. That They don't know the Lord from a lamppost or from a tree. They don't know the Lord at all. And so for me to see them fall away or abandon their faith, to me is no surprise at all, because to me they had no faith to begin with. But if you have been exposed to the truth, you must believe, believe the truth that has been revealed to you and respond, respond to that. Decide to embrace the truth that he has revealed and live your life as though that is true. Live your life knowing the truth and make your decisions. Let your decisions be a reflection of what you really believe. That to me is a description of faith. Our faith is a reflection of what we truly believe. That is our experience in faith. That when we respond to the truth that has been revealed to us, we are expressing our faith. The faith that truly exists within us. When this is real in a person's life, I believe the Lord will recognize that, He will honor that, and He will say that you are justified. You are righteous. You are justified in the sense that there is no longer going to be an opportunity for him to execute judgment against you because the judgment has already been executed upon the Lord Jesus and you are willing to embrace that. You are willing to acknowledge that and you are willing to depend and trust in what Jesus has done for you. In that way, you will be justified, just as Abraham was justified, just as Abraham was righteous. He was declared and made righteous because he believed his God, and he responded to that truth. His life was a reflection of that truth. He lived believing and trusting, and eventually the Lord fulfilled some of his promises that he made to Abraham. And so Abraham was able to see with his own eyes that what the Lord said was true, and he was able to embrace that. And you know, no matter what it is, I believe that one day the Lord will reveal something to you. Something. He will show you something, and you will know that that was the living God who spoke to you, who revealed something to you, who showed you the truth about something. Write that down. Remember that, because if that is the only time he ever speaks to you, it is more than enough. Do not think of the smallest mention of truth that the Lord expresses to you. Do not think of that as being nothing. And do not search for more thinking that that was not enough. I believe that the Lord will reveal more. I'm not saying that he won't. I'm only saying that you should not consider 
the smallest thing to be insignificant. You should consider the smallest thing to be significant, with such significance that there is nothing greater. Because when the living God speaks to you and reveals something to you, you should get in touch with the fact that what is important is not what he revealed. It is important, but in comparison, what is important is that it is him, it is he who has revealed something to you. When you see that, I believe you will find it much easier to embrace the fact that you are at peace with him and he no longer sees you as his enemy. When he sees you as his friend, as his child, then that will open a new door for you. You will see him in a different way and you will see yourself in a different way. You will see your participation in this world in a different way. You will see your role as his child in a different way and you will understand that you are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. He has a purpose for you. He has a place for you. And he is going to actively participate in your life and he is going to prepare works for you to walk in. And you had better be aware of that. You had better be conscious of that. Because if you're not, I don't think you will fully appreciate the revelation that will be expressed to you when these things are realized and you see that you are an active participant, that you are a warrior of God and you are fighting in this war against all of his enemies, the demons to be destroyed and the people to be saved. When you see the war that is happening and you see what your role is and when you participate in the battles that are waging right now all around you, then you will be able to further embrace what it means to be at peace with your God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when this takes place, I believe that he will give you a peace in your heart that you have never known. That he will reveal to you that you are at peace with him. That between you and him, there is no conflict. That certainly you may find yourself engaging in sin on occasion, but that that is not the real nature of the war. That this is a consequence of the fall of humanity, and this is something that will never escape you, that will never go away. The Lord will make use of these things. He will make use of the sin in your life. This is an individual experience, though I cannot speak on his behalf concerning the reality of himself and his love for you. Pray for this, and I believe he will answer. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,